gray birch in rehab, and she's she's open to any and all visitors. She said, and so you can you are allowed to stop in over there, um, but uh, and uh, I'm sure it would be a blessing to her. I told her we were praying for, her, and, but uh, she was talking about the old the old days um, back when uh, her and Rose were ganging up on Pastor Williams and in Bible study, and uh, they used to come in premeditated and prepared to to try to stump them. Um, they, they just, she was, I, I knew that they, they ganged up on them all the time while they were there, and Rose would start it, she would come up with some verse, and she would, she would, she knew where he would stand, and she would argue the other side, and then he would turn to his wife, and he goes, what do you think? And she goes, well, I think Rose is right. And apparently, that was all planned out ahead of time. <laughs> uh, but I said, well, I said, they're probably up there right now. Uh, her and uh, Pastor Williams and Rose, and maybe they're even kitten, uh, got Brother Adams there, and they're all hatched in some kind of scheme. But uh, honestly, they're up there worshiping the Lord, and they're happy doing it. And one day we'll be there too. And what a day that will be. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. I'm going to uh, continue on uh, in this passage as we... As we're going verse by verse through it and, and looking at what it really means, we, we've been covering um, each and every one of these verses, starting in verse 3, as we look at the Beatitudes, and we understand that these are dealing with character traits, things that, that, uh, things that as children of God we need to have uh, in our life. Um, in fact, if we don't have some of these, we, we, we would never come to Christ unless we were willing to mourn over our sin. It, 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 there needs to be a, a humility when we come to the Lord. You can't do it yourself. You can't earn your way to heaven. You're not good enough. It's, a, it's the knowledge that we must have. But we talked about what that poor in spirit really means and how, uh, how uh, Lazarus in the New Testament, the, uh, Lazarus and the rich man, how that is really the picture of poor in spirit, understanding that we are nothing but beggars. But man, what a, I, I'd rather be a beggar at the, at the, at the, at the house of God uh, and then, uh, then, then a rich man without him. So, uh, but so that's what we pour in spirit, and it says, "Blessed are the they that mourn, and we are to mourn over our sin." It's not talking about just sorrow. Everybody sorrows, and everybody grieves. Uh, if you've lost a family member or a friend, uh, you've gone through times of grief and mourning. Uh, but this is specifically talking about godly sorrow. Paul says in First in Second Corinthians, "The godly sorrow bringeth forth repentance," and there needs to be a mourning over our sin. And when, then we looked at verse. Uh, five, which is blessed are the meek, that they shall inherit the earth. And the meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not uh, just being gentle and and kind, but meekness is is really speaking of allowing the spirit of God to control us or to be yielded to God. And it, and that's the true sign of weakness. We were once wild and untamed. But as children of God, we are to yield ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit and let God have control of our lives. We looked at uh, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. And we discussed a few weeks ago uh, that, that any true righteousness that we should hunger and thirst after is not just what we do, but righteousness is Jesus Christ. And uh, we, should have a, we shouldn't just want to be good and do righteous things. But if we're going to hunger and thirst for righteousness, we're going to hunger and thirst after the righteousness of Christ. And then we last, not last week, because I, I wasn't here, I didn't preach. Actually, yes, I did. 
I didn't preach Sunday afternoon last week because it was inspiration, and this. So this message is for last week, but the uh, but the week before, two weeks before that, we we covered the blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, and, and it is important that we that we that we find mercy, and it's important that we give mercy. It's a it's a it's a work of the spirit of God in our life, and uh, we need we need that in our lives. And the truth is, God says the word of God says that He forgives us according to the way we forgive others. And we needed mercy, so does everybody else. All right, today we're looking at verse 8, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, and it says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That word pure is interesting. It's not talking just about cleanliness. If I have a, uh, if I have a dirty car and I wash it, uh, I can say it's clean. But it's not pure. Pure, uh, this word pure, uh, it's, it, it comes from the Greek word uh, that we get the word catharsis or cathartic for, from. Uh, it, it, what it means is there's, a, there's a, a, a healing and a purifying. So, so you think of it this way. If you, if you find some gold out in, the, in your backyard, that would be awesome, right? We'd all be happy to find some gold in our backyards. If you find some, call me. I'll come over and dig up your backyard. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll be mining. I'm, I'm only kidding. Uh, if you find some gold in your backyard, one of the things they do to get all the impurities out, right? If they're going to make jewelry or necklaces, they want they want pure gold for that. Uh, what they'll find is most of the gold that we have is is in rocks and in other things. So they'll burn it. They'll they'll put it through a refining fire. They do it with silver. They do it with a lot of those those uh, those. Uh, those metals, and they'll they'll put them through a fire, and those 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 things will those impurities will burn off or rise to the top, and they can remove them. Uh, and that's what this verse is is this word means is talking about the pure in heart, those hearts that have been separated from from the the, the things that uh, that make it impure. Uh, it's the idea of being single-hearted versus double-minded. Right? We're, we're to love God and follow God with singleness of heart. And James warns us of being, from being double-minded. I'm reminded uh, this, that this, this passage and these verses remind me of, of the, the Israelites when Elijah was up on the mountain and getting ready to call fire down from heaven. Man, what a thing to see. Uh, but but uh, as he was there, they gathered all the prophets together. They did their thing, and they failed miserably. And he looked at the Israelites, and he, he said, he, 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 he told them, asked them, who are you going to serve? And they said, well, they said nothing. It says they answered him not a word. Why? Because they were waiting to see who was going to win. Right? They wanted to see who was going to win. And, and so he, he calls down, he prays and asks God to send fire from heaven, not to show his power, not to show how special or important he was, but to show the people that God was real. And when the fire came from heaven and burnt the sacrifice and the altar licked up all the water, it's the people said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. What happened? They made up their minds. Right? They, were, they were no longer on the fence, kind of teeter-tottering. I don't know which way this is going to go, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut so I don't get killed or I don't. There are a whole lot of people today that are sitting on that fence. 
So it doesn't have so much to do with cleanliness. It has more to do with being unmixed. You think of grain, uh, a grain of wheat. Uh, we talked about harvest this morning. And as you think about the, a grain of wheat, you can take the wheat off of the, off the stalk, but there's a process known as, uh, there's a process that, that, that they have to remove the chaff from the wheat. Right? It's, it, it, the wheat is good. There's, there's still something there, but there needs to be something removed from it to make it pure. So the Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart. He's saying, blessed are those who have uh, integrity or singleness of heart. They're not mixed in their desires. Look over to one, one chapter in Matthew chapter 6 and read a verse with me, if you would. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus says this in this verse, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Uh, he uses God and money as, as two examples here. He says you can't serve two masters because you're going to love one and hate the other or hate one and love, and love the other. It's impossible to truly serve two masters. Can't do it. Impossible. But we try. Don't we? Here he says you can't serve God in money. If you're going to chase after a career that will build up your, uh, build up your bank accounts, and you're, 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 going to, you're always going to be chasing after it, because no matter how much you put in there, you're never going to have enough. That's just how that goes. But what does that do? It takes away your time. It takes away your attention. It takes away your energy from chasing after the things of God. You can't do both. If I were dating, when I was dating my wife, I only dated one person. Do you know why? Well, she would have shot me. I'm just kidding. She wouldn't have done that. You can't split up your, can't split up your attention. And that, that's what Jesus is saying here. Is, 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 he, says, he says you can't serve two masters. It's, it, it's, that's being double-minded, like James says. It's, it's, uh, uh, being, uh, it's having an impure heart. And if we're going to have that impure heart where we have one foot in the world and one foot chasing God... You can't do that. It's going to take you in two different directions. You can't be chasing after God and chasing after things of this world. That's impure. If we, if we want to worship God, then we need to do so with, without hypocrisy or uh, duplicity, without trying to serve someone else at the same time. James chapter 4, verse 4. James 4, 4 says this, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whoso therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That word enmity, do you know what it means? It means to be at war with. So if we're going to be friends with the world, that means we've chosen the other side. Now, I don't mean friends with somebody who is unsaved. There's a difference. We're to be friendly. We're to love others and love our neighbors, whether they, whether they, we're to love them, whether they come to this church or are saved or not. We're to love them, right? That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the things of this world. 
the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the, those things that, that this world and Satan has to offer, and they do it so freely. Why? Because Satan's trying to get your attention and garner your time away from God. Why do we find it so hard to go to church? Why, why do we find it so hard to, to go and, 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 and tell others about Christ? Why do we find it so hard to, 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 to go and serve in this manner or that manner? There are a million things that will take your time. The, it should be the, the farther technology goes and the, far, the more and more we have of technology, the, the more time we should have. And back in the day, have you ever read about how, what life was like back in the, the, day of, uh, the early days of our country or even farther back than that? Uh, they, they, man, they'd get up early in the, in the dark and they'd have to, to heat their house. They, they'd have to go out and get the wood and, and they'd, they'd have to split the wood. and All of those things had to take place and, and then they had to cook. And cooking wasn't just throwing a sandwich in the microwave. You had to build a fire and get all those things done. And, and then you had to clean. and all. There was so much physical work. And then once you got all those things done, you had to go out and work. You had to milk the cows and, and, and feed the chickens and all of those things. We just go to a grocery store. Anymore, you can just put in an order online, and they'll either deliver it to your door if you want. You can go and just pull up, and they'll carry it out to your car if you want. Or, or, or you can go buy your groceries, which is still faster than all the other ways that they used to do it. Instead of having to build a fire and cook your meal, you can open up the door to the microwave and push a button, and it cooks. We should have so much time, but we don't. You used to have to, you'd have to write a letter to somebody. You'd have to get out pen and paper and ink. And, and, and if, if back long, long enough ago, you would have had to go out and grab a chicken to pull the quill off the thing so you could write something. Right? Dip it in, right, 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 dip it. Now they got ink inside the pens. Actually, even better than that, now we've got a little device that everybody has, right? And you go, deep, 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 deep. Or... If you're even lazier than that, or, or have trouble seeing, or whatever it is, Siri, I'm gonna, I don't, if I say it, it's going to start doing it. <laughs> send a message to Brother Frank that God is good, and my phone will send him a message that says God is good. And he'll say, well, is this what you would like? Send. I didn't have to do anything. So much faster than going and catching the chicken and pulling the quill. And if we have all that time, Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Well, there are good things that take our time. There are good things that take our time. And and then there are things that are neither good or bad that take our time. And then there's some things that are just downright bad that take time. The truth is, anything that takes the time away from God isn't good in what it's doing. There's nothing wrong with sports. Right, Brother James? Football is awesome. Unless it's on Sunday during the church service and you stay home to watch it. He's ducking now. Well, he's here. He's here. We changed services, just service time just for Brother James so he can go home and watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> but he misses the early game. Uh, there's nothing wrong with football. There's nothing wrong with having a favorite team. That, that stuff is fun. God wants us to have fun. We're, we don't, as Christians, we don't have to suddenly not have fun and lose our joy. There's more joy as a child of God. 
And we're to enjoy the world around us, enjoy those good things. But when they remove us from God, when they, when they begin to divide us and divide our time, listen, if we're more, more willing to, to jump up and down and shout at a football game, I'm trying not to look at Brother James, <laughs> but we won't praise God at church. That's a problem. And whether it's football or baseball or, or even golf, I don't like watching it, but it's a lot fun. It's really fun to play. Golf, golf on TV is the most. I could fall asleep to that so fast, as fast as some of you fall asleep during my sermons. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with those things. And there's many more things. Listen, sports is only one thing. We don't have time to list the millions of things that, 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 that Satan will use to pull us away. It could be anything. Anything that we love. But God says, if you are a friend of the world, if you link yourself to these things, and again, it's not wrong to have those things, but if you choose them over God, you are now at war, at enmity with God. And that is not a battle you will win. It is not. We cannot be double-minded. Remember, it says, uh, they that, uh, that, uh," Matthew 5, 8 says, uh, blessed are are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It should be our hunger and desire to see God. Do you know why many times we don't? It's because we're pulled away by those other things. Whether it's an activity, whether it's a thing, whether it's a person, whether it's a goal, We need singleness of heart. Too many times we have spiritual schizophrenia or, or multiple personality disorder. We love God. And I don't think anybody at church on a Sunday would ever say, I'm here against my will. But they might be. <laughs> Our kids might say that sometimes. I'd rather be doing this. But I don't think anybody at church would say that. But how many times do we look at the clock, wondering what's going on? It's so easy to allow those things to pull us away. David, King David is known as a man who is after God's own heart. Now, this does not mean he was sinless or perfect, and we all very well know that he was not. But he was a man who loved God, and he was a man who sought after God. Read the book of Psalms if you don't know, don't know that or believe it. It was David that penned, uh, as, a, as a heart panteth after the water, so my soul longeth after thee. And listen, nothing makes you more thirsty or more desiring or hungering for, for, for God than when you're separate from that. If you have a million gallons of water at your disposal and you're constantly drinking, guess what? You're not really thirsty. But when you are separated from the Lord, when there's sin in your life which breaks that fellowship, when sometimes God, it's not that you've done even, that you've even done anything. Sometimes I believe God, 
he's nigh unto us, he's near us. We just can't see him for the sole purpose of drawing us closer to him. Job said, I don't see you on the left hand, I don't see you on the right hand, I don't see you in front of me, but you know the path, the steps that I take. And when I'm tried, I'll, come, I'll be purified. I'll come forth purified. David was a man after God's own heart. Look at Acts chapter 13, verse 22. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. It says, And when he had removed him, God removed Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king. Notice what it says of him. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. God himself gave the testimony of David that he was a man after his own heart who would fulfill all the will of God. Why would he fulfill God's will versus his own? Now, granted, remember, we've already acknowledged he was sinful. He made... Some very, very bad choices. And he suffered the consequences of those poor choices. But when he did that, when he sinned against Bathsheba, and then he tried to hide it all, and then he ended up, uh, then he ended up uh, committing murder, uh, with uh, killing her hus- having her husband killed, and he was finally confronted. When, when uh, the prophet said, David, thou art the man. What did he do? Off with his head! He went out and he wept. Psalm 51, one of the greatest passages of Scripture, one of the greatest psalms of, of, uh, of seeking of repentance. Man, what a, what a picture that is for us and an illustration for us. Uh, but that was his heart. Why? Because he was a man after God's own heart. When God wanted a king over Israel, Israel he didn't pick him uh, for because of his 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 gifts as, in politics, of his ability to speak, his his ability to fight and kill Goliath, he gave him all of those things. He blessed him with those things, but he chose him because he was a man after God's own heart. He was a picture of integrity. He was a picture of someone who was who was truly pure in heart. First Samuel sixteen seven tells us that, and this is as Samuel was looking at his older brother. God, God said. It says that God told him that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on on the heart. And God's looking at our hearts. He's not looking at what we do or where we... He he sees all of these things, right? Uh, God sees that you're here today. Praise the Lord. God sees if you're watching from home today. And God sees if you're watching football right now. If you're watching football, you don't know I said that. Unless you watch it later. God, God sees all of those things. But more importantly, God sees beyond what you're doing, and God sees the motives of why you're doing it. Because uh, there was a time when I could not come to church every other Sunday. I desired to be here. I was, I was a, a paramedic firefighter, and people still call 911 on Sundays and on Wednesdays. They don't care whether there's prayer meeting or church service, and, and I did not have a choice. I had to work on those days. But God knew my heart. God heard my prayer, and I said, Lord, I don't want to be at work on Sunday. I want to be at the house of God. 
And God then miraculously enabled me to have a job. Uh, I lost that job, and I didn't think that was the good thing at the time, but it was because the very next job I got, I was given, uh, uh, given a position with better money, with uh, better hours. I worked Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., and guess what I didn't have to ever do? Work on Sunday. Why? Because God heard my prayers. He knew my heart. We see, we see in David a man of integrity. And as we look at this, we're looking at the principle of integrity. And that's, that is that we're single of heart. That we're following after him. When David sinned, he never gave an alibi, didn't give a, didn't, there was no excuse, there was no reason. That wasn't the case with Saul. Do you remember Saul? The people made me do it. I only did it because. He never once took, took, took uh, responsibility for the choices that he had made and the disobedience that he had committed against God. But David, he never offered a, an excuse. He never, never gave, blamed anybody else. He just confessed his sin. We see that in Psalms 51, verse 4. He wasn't sinless, but he was single of heart. So the principle of integrity is to be single-minded, not double-minded. It's to be single-hearted, not, not split, not loving one thing and trying to serve two things. It's following after God. The greatest commandment is this, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. It doesn't say half your heart. It doesn't even say three-quarters of your heart or even 99.99999% of your heart. It says all of it. Now, speaking of that, the, the principle of, of integrity is to be single of heart. The place of integrity is just that. It's the, it is our hearts. Back in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's obviously not talking about that muscle that you have in your chest that pumps the blood through all your arteries and then down to your capillaries and back through your, your, uh, the other vessels, whatever they're called now. I can't remember. Oh, wow, I can't remember what the uh, veins, that's what it is. Wow. Too long ago. I'm getting too old. I don't know what it is. They say that your mind is the first thing to go. I don't remember what's next. Uh, it's not that. We know that. Look, look with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. What it's talking about is that core individual part of you, who you are. Uh, it's described by David as the reins, the heart and the reins. It's, the word reins literally means your kidneys. Now, we don't use that word anymore, but back then... I love you with all of my kidney. <laughs> we don't use those phrases, but that's what it means. But what it's talking about is that person, that commitment that we are, that we have. Proverbs chapter 4, I, start, I kept, started talking, I stopped turning. Verse 23. 
says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We are to keep our heart. Keep our heart means protect it. Put a guard around our heart. Remember, we're supposed to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. So we're to guard it so that we don't allow anybody else, anything else, to come in to, to garner that what should belong to God to something else. If we're going to be pure in heart, we need to guard our heart. Jeremiah 17, 9, 10 says, The heart is deceitfully, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It goes on to say in the next verse, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and the fruit of his doing. The word of God tells us that, that our hearts are diseased with sin. Deceitful, desperately wicked. How many times have you heard the phrase, I'm just going to follow my heart? Don't follow your heart. It's going to lead you down the wrong path. It will deceive you. It will trick you. Even as a child of God, our hearts, while God gives us a new heart, and we're going to cover that in a moment, our hearts are deceitful, and we're still battling this flesh. We can have a desire for something that is completely wrong. We can have a desire for something that is good, but is wrong for us. God has a perfect will for your life, does he not? He does. Every single one of us. I can have a longing and a desire to do something, but if that's not God's will for my life, but I, want, I wouldn't want that so much if it wasn't God's will. Are you sure? The attitude we should have is always like this. Sometimes God gives us something good, and that's good. And sometimes God takes it back or takes it away. The idea of we like to, somebody hands me something, I like to hold it tight. But everything we have is a gift of God. And just like God gave Job a, a wonderful family, riches and wealth and all of the other things God gave him, God also took away all of those things. And I appreciate the fact that the Bible doesn't say that, God, that Job, accused, Job accused God or that he charged him. In fact, it says the opposite. He charged not God foolishly. Now God gave him back now, he couldn't give him back the family that he had had before, but God blessed him and turned him from his captivity. Uh, Job 42, verse 10, it says, when he prayed uh, for his friends, God turned his captivity. God, God gave, him, gave him back more than double what he had before. It didn't soothe the grief of the loss. But before that happened, Job came to an understanding that all that God had given him, and he said it himself even before, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But sometimes our hearts will cling to stuff and to people. I love this church. One day, 
God may take me away from this church. I don't want to go. I don't. And I, I, and I don't believe God's calling me away from this church. I love you all. I don't want you to go. But one day, the truth is, as a pastor, I have to love you like this. You're all a blessing to me. But the real truth is that as a pastor, I want the best that God has for you. And God may call Donnie and his family to be missionaries to Thailand. Donnie's laughing. Don't laugh and say no, Donnie. He's not, and I don't think he would. Or God might call Donnie to be a pastor somewhere else. Or God just might call their family somewhere else to serve in another, in another capacity. Or, and the truth is, any one of us could do the same thing. And that should be our goal. To multiply. To go forth. Open hands. That word, deceitful, we see it in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful, desperately wicked, reminds me of Jacob. Jacob was a deceiver. Appeared one way, but my goodness was he a... Deceived his brother, tricked his brother out of his birthright. Cooked up some soup and his brother came in and said, hey, you know what? I've got some soup here, but it's going to cost you. And Esau was so stupid and hungry. <laughs> he said, okay. Now, any brother that really, truly loved his brother would have said, you know what, you can have it. But he had, there was an intention behind it. The same intention, when, when his brother went out to get some venison, he, he put some hair on his arms, and some goat's hair on his arms, and put on his brother's clothes, and so he smelled like his brother, and he went in and got his brother's blessing on top of the birthright. A deceiver. I'm thankful that he didn't stay that way. But that's the picture that we have of our hearts. Our hearts will deceive us. We, should, we can't say let our conscience be our guide or follow your heart. It doesn't matter how sincere we are or how we feel about that. Our hearts can be wrong. So the diagnosis of our heart is that it's deceitful, but we can't see it. So what do we do? Well, verse 10 of Jeremiah 17, God says, I, the Lord, search the heart, and I try the reins. God searches our heart. God tells us where we're weak. God, God shows us uh, the, uh, the apostle. Uh, David himself says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. God must be the one who diagnoses our hearts. And he can and he will. It's that idea of, of searching. It's, a, it's an intense review. It's, you ever done one of those uh, search, uh, books where you're searching for Where's Waldo? And you're sitting there and you're staring at it and you're going, you're going back and forth looking at all the different little characters and there's only one little Waldo in there and you're searching for it. We're asking God to do the same thing to us. 
You have to look over the whole page. You can't just glance at it from afar. We're asking God to reveal to us every imperfection, every, every, every deceit that might be there. He says, I'll try the reins. It's the, our control center. It's, it's who we are. It's how we re- react in different circumstances. And the truth is, sometimes the way we react proves what's in our heart. Now, we're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? As children of God, we're told to be full of the Holy Spirit. That's too much in there. There's coffee in here. If I knock this, this cup off the, off, the sta- off the stage, what's going to spill on the floor? Coffee. Not water? Well, that's water in here, but there's coffee in here. So to get water to come out, I've got to pour the coffee out of here and the water into here. The water's a perfect picture of the Holy Spirit, is it not? And while coffee is wonderfully tasting, it's dirty. It looks it's black, it's dark. Good picture of sin. Good picture of our hearts. Whatever's in our hearts is what will come out when we get bumped. And it's easy to get bumped. Sometimes we get bumped while we're trying to get ready, and the wife is really slow. Never happens in my house. Sometimes we get bumped when we ask when your kid you ask your kids to do something and they don't do it. Sometimes we get bumped when when uh, uh, when somebody cuts in front of you, or or uh, for you kids, uh, brother or sister, you get you get into a fight, or or. There's lots of ways that we can get bumped, and what is in us will come out. What is in us? Well, if there's anger that's in us, that'll come out. If there's rudeness there, that'll come out. If there's impatience, that'll come out. But if the Spirit's in us, the fruit of the flesh is not what's going to come out. It'll be the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those are what's supposed to come out of us. First Corinthians 4, 5 says, God will make manifest the counsels of the heart. He will reveal to us what's in our heart. So then, what do we do? We ask God for help. Because you can't clean your own heart, can you? God can reveal to us what's in us and what will come out, but, 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 but it's, it's, it's God is the one who, who heals us. Jeremiah 17, 14, after he says, uh, uh, the, 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 the Lord will search the hearts and try the reins, uh, verse 14 says, uh, Jeremiah says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Now, God gives us a new heart at salvation. Praise the Lord for that. He gives us a new heart. Jeremiah 24, 7, he says that exact thing. I will give thee a new heart. It's, it's several times throughout the Old Testament. He's going to give us a new heart, write in us the law, in our hearts the law. And that comes with salvation. If you're saved, you have been given a new heart. Now, while your flesh still hungers and thirsts after the things of this world, your new heart will thirst after righteousness, will thirst after God. Your new heart will love God. 
Truth is, we can't have a pure heart without salvation. And we, and, but if you're saved, you have that new heart. We need to yield ourselves to the Lord. He, he puts that hunger inside of us. He, uh, he, uh, we begin to seek after the righteousness of Christ. Uh, uh, God gives us mercy. And, 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 and man, we can be single of heart. But we also know that when James wrote, not to be double-minded, he was writing to who? Christians. Because that flesh and that spirit still battle. The old man and the new man. Paul says, put off the old man, put on the new man. There is, there is a, while we have the new heart, we also have the flesh now. And it is that battle that goes on and on and on and on until we get to heaven. But I want you to see not just the principle of integrity or the, or the place of integrity, but last, the, the promise of integrity. It says, we will see God in Matthew 5.8. Sin blinds us. The things of this world, they blind us. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that the God of this world hath blinded the eyes of this world. They cannot see. He wants to confuse you. He wants to deceive you. He wants to draw you away, and he does that in a million different ways. And he uses the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life to, to put something in your way so that you can't serve God. And it's not that you can't serve God. You have chosen those things over serving God. The only way to see God is to seek after him. We need that pure heart. We have a new heart, but we need to die to self and seek after the Lord. Now, Zacchaeus is a wonderful example of this. Zacchaeus loved money. Remember Matthew 6, 24, that it says we cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is the word for, for money. Zacchaeus loved money. There is no other reason why a Jew would align himself with the Romans and become a tax collector so that he could skim and steal the money off of his own people so that then he could then enrich himself. That's what Zacchaeus did. But there came a point in Zacchaeus' life when he had a desire to see Christ. And we all know the story. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed away, he looked up in the tree, and he said, There we go. We're going to your house today. He had a desire to see God. And, and listen, when we are seeking after God, I, 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 I saw this years ago when, I, when I, I, read, I, I read this. He had a desire to see God, and because he, he, listen, there was a lot of people that were there. There were people that were following him. There were people that were bumping into him. There, were, there was a crowd of people. There was a reason he climbed the tree, because he couldn't, he was too short to see him any other way. But because he was seeking to see the Lord, the Lord saw James says, draw nigh unto me, and I'll draw nigh unto you. What a beautiful example of the new heart that God gives, can give us. Because Zacchaeus 
climbed that tree. He saw the Lord. The Lord went to his house. And when Zacchaeus came out, he didn't say, you know what? I'm going to steal and skimp and scrape, and I'm going to give a bunch to the church. He said, if I have ever stolen, I'm going to give it back, and I will repay it. Multiplied. That's a new heart. A man who once served money, a man who loved money, now loves God more than money. And there's nothing wrong with money. We all need it, right? We all got to buy, put gas in our gas tanks. You have to put food on your table. There's nothing wrong with money. But Zacchaeus came to the point where he didn't love it anymore. He loved God more. The way to know God and to see God, we, we know this is by faith. Romans 10, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We need to get our spiritual hearts right, separate them from the things of this world, and seek after God. Hebrews eleven twenty seven says, uh, for he endured seeing him who is made invisible. It's talking, about, uh, it's, it's, it's talking about the Old Testament saints. They endured all the things. They didn't see God. They didn't. But they endured because of their faith. They saw God through their faith. We do the same thing. We can look back and read Scripture and, 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 and see what the Word says, but we still have to put our faith in it. But that's how we see God, is in Scripture and in the way He works in our lives. And the truth is, when we have faith, we'll see God in nature. You and I can't look outside and look at the stars in the sky or the, the world around us and not see God in it. We can't. We see the amazing, powerful, architectural design that God put on this earth and up in, in the sky. Couldn't have happened. It doesn't, it doesn't logically make sense. But Satan has blinded the eyes of most of the people in this world, and they said, well, you know, there was this big explosion. And it all came out of nothing. We don't know. It was just two little atoms. And I'm sorry, it doesn't make any logical sense. I actually heard an atheist. They took it right down to, uh, they, took, they took him as far as they could go. They, uh, as well-known scientific atheist. And, 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 and they said, well, but where did that stuff come from? If it was a big bang, then tell me where that stuff came from. And he goes, well, maybe aliens? Really? They don't have an answer, so they'll do anything else other than say, well, there could be a God. They'd rather trust in a possibility of some other life source, a life force out there in the world, as long as you don't call it God. Now, there is a life out there. His name is Jesus. The Bible says it was all created by him and for him, and because of him all things continue to exist. We see him in nature. We see him in the circumstances in our lives. I look back at the last 15 years of my life, 20 years of my life, and even though I ran from God, I see God all over it. I see, I see God in, uh, even in the, the, my rebellion and running to Maine, and I believe this is where God wanted me all along, and I, I, I wonder how I would have gotten here if I had just been faithful. I know he would have put me here. Uh, I, I trust that. But I see, uh, just, like, just like Jonah woke, got spit out on, on the shores of Nineveh, uh, I, I see God's hand all over it. There aren't any coincidences, and it makes no sense any other way. Other than to say that God is in, and listen, God was in your life too. 
Everything that you've done and the truth is everything that you will do, God is all over that. We see him in scriptures by faith, right? We, we can read the scriptures and he reveals himself to us in the scriptures. And we need a new heart, a pure heart to see that. With this new heart that God has given to us, with this singular heart that God has given to us, he will be a bright living reality in our life that we cannot deny. The Bible, every time you open it, will open itself to you. You know, the world can read it, and they can read it like a textbook. They can, they can learn some things about history in it. They'll say it's great poetry. The book of Psalms is beautiful poetry but they can't see God in it. But for us, the Bible says it is, the word of God is quick and alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. Ever ever open your Bible and read something and, and God just, bam, smack you right in the face with it. I remember one time I, I came in, I was, I was here, I opened up my Bible, and I read, I read this passage and God just opened it up to me and I, I can remember sitting back like, wow. I've never seen that before. It's because I was seeking after God in that. We'll see him, we'll perceive him, and we'll know him. Why? Because our heart is pure. Matthew 6, 22. So the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, if thine, if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. We seek after God as we allow our hearts and, and seek after him and him only. Our lives will be full of the light of God. In First John, it says, it says uh, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we walk in the light, we lie to ourselves and do not the truth. If we, if we say we walk in the light and live in, if we say we walk in the light and walk in darkness, we lie to ourselves and do not the truth. But if we're walking in the light, that light shines in us. It shines out through us. And, and, and it's, it is that light which guides us. When I say light, it's the, the the, the spirit of God that's in us. It guides us. It's what testifies of the work of God in our life. We belong to him with all of our abilities, our family, our possessions, everything we give over to the Lord. We, we don't try to hold on to anything else. We realize that all that we have is given to us by God. It's no longer a search after other things. It's I am, I am chasing after what God wants for my life. I used to think when I when I when I met Jess and married and we got married, I never wanted to be anything but a paramedic and a firefighter. I never I never thought that I would ever be anything else. And God took away not not my career; He took away my desire for that career. Suddenly, I didn't I didn't want that anymore. I wanted what God wanted for my life. And I didn't even know what it was. It's like, Lord, I'll just do whatever you want. I gave it all up. 
We need to be single-minded in wanting God and God only and wanting his way in our life and only his way. When we do that, we will see God. He'll reveal to him, himself to us in ways that we never saw before. How is your heart this, this afternoon? If you're saved, you have a new heart. But is, is it pure? Are you following after the things of God and that only? Again, it doesn't mean other things are bad. It doesn't mean you should quit your job and just come sit at church all day. That's what I do. But it does mean we're to give everything over to the Lord and let the Lord lead us. You never know what God can do with you young people. Any one of you. You don't know what God would do in your life or what God would use you to do. There are, there are young men that are pastors now because at your age, they said, God, whatever you want, I'll do it. Young men, the, young men and women that are, are pastors or, or pastors' wives or missionaries or missionaries' wives or, 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 or you don't know what God could have you to do. But you'll never know until you singly, singly follow after that and until you're ready and willing to do that. How's your heart today? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, you know, you know our hearts. You know our weaknesses. and our, You know those things that distract us or pull us away from you. And God, I pray that you'd help us, as Paul said, to cast aside those things. Help us to run the race that you have for us, not the one we've decided to run ourselves. Help us to run after you, Lord. Help us to seek you and you only. May our lives be may our lives be given over to you. And may you have your way. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.